Howdy, and welcome back to Pointer Rentals The Front Porch. If you haven't stopped by before, you can find the rest of our conversations with pointers and friends in the rental industry at pointerrental.com porch. I'm Lauren Jewell, and let's get started. Today we have our very first director. He's our APAC Regional Director and headquartered in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, Dave Cameron. So welcome to The Front Porch, Dave. Thanks, Lauren. Good to be here. Welcome to the Front Porch with Lauren Jewell. So um, let's start with the basics. Who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> and what is it you tell people that you do here? Oh, who am I? Um, I'm a, a father of two. I have two, te- two teenage kids. Um, Will is 15. Emily is 13. Um, so that keeps me pretty busy. Um, I have a dog called Martha. She's a blue healer, which is a, an Australian cattle dog. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. what, what they look like. They're pretty cool. Melbourne's my home. And I, I tell people that I work in the software industry and that, that our, our company's called Pointer Rental Software. And as the name suggests, we make business software for businesses that do iron rental. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, what? Like, um, like Coates and Kennards, who are the two, they're the two big players. And I said, yeah, exactly like them. Yeah, it kind of gets the conversation started. Uh, and I, I tell them that I, I um, am responsible for the region here and, and look after the team and, um, you know, make sure everything's on track. All right. So our challenge is for you to please name as many birds as you can think of off the top of your head. Really? Mm-hmm. In, what, 45 seconds we'll give them? You've got 45 seconds to name as many right. birds you can think of. Hawk, eagle, seagull... Kookaburra, emu, ostrich, nightingale, starling, dove, um, parrot, geese, goose. Is that all right? Okay, if I do it plural, how about that? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, geeses. Um, I'm starting to run out, you can see. Um, You're at I, 11. 11, is that all? It felt like a lot more than 11 each. <laughs> well, I think that was good. Um, we'll have to see if anyone else can challenge you and beat you, you at 11 birds. I think you passed. You got over 10. So. Okay. You seemed very, very nice. prepared. You did, actually. Yeah. I would not have been able to just rattle them off quite as quickly as that. I had a good, I had a good list and I ran through it and then you, I just stopped. That was it. I had nothing. <laughs> it's all good. You have your favorites, right? Right. So let's kind of transition to kind of questions about your career. So mm. what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, that's interesting. Um, when I was a kid, I really liked building stuff and, you know, making things and kind of tinkering. So I kind of I had ideas about being a, like a, a house builder or a carpenter or something like that. And, and I also toyed with the idea of teaching because I really like telling people stuff. A lot of times they don't want to listen, but... I'll tell them anyway. And I think that's probably pretty good for teaching. Um, uh, yeah. I had quite you, a few teachers a, like that. A bunch of kids sitting there who don't really care what you're saying, but you love telling them what you're telling them. So um, mm-hmm. both, both of those things kind of interested me. And in some ways, even now in my life, I kind of I practice some of that stuff. So I do. I like doing a lot of little jobs around the house and building stuff and, you know, even though you're not necessarily a house builder itself or you're not a teacher, you still were able to kind of find a path for those passions um, in your current role. So that's that's pretty cool. Not many people can say that they have done that. Yeah, you, you should you should know that I'm only allowed to build things on my own house. 
Oh. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's asking me to come fix their place. I see, gotcha. As soon as they go over to your house and they see what you've built, they're like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and, my, and my wife often says, you sure you don't just want to get a guy in for this one? Mm. It might be quicker. And, you know, maybe it'll just look a little <laughs> bit slicker. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got this. It's all right. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. It looks like my next question, we might have already touched on this a little bit, but I'll go ahead mm-hmm. and ask it in case... It sounds better here. Um, so you joined <laughs> us in 2018, um, and I'm assuming you didn't start your career as a regional director. So tell us a little bit about your previous jobs. And I was which born was a regional favorite. director. You were born a regional director. Wow. Right. That right. is very yeah. impressive. <laughs> um, so I worked, um, I think I kind of cut off the end of your question. But, um, okay. Sorry about that. Probably my longest role um, in the last decade, really, is um, I worked for a company called Salterbeck. And so worked in the HR space, um, mostly doing um, incentive work on compensation, remuneration, and um, incentive programs for mostly for sales teams, but not always. It was often employee engagement stuff as well into kind of HR world. And we made software that that helped businesses manage that stuff. And so I I started. Um, working kind of on, on the, the customer side there or the client side, as we call it. I then sort of transitioned into a, a product product manager and I had a, um, a team of developers who worked in the Philippines. So that was pretty interesting. Went there a couple of times. It was kind of an interesting model and it, it was, became pretty popular here in, in Australia to offshore uh, you know, technology development because it's much, much cheaper. But of course, nothing is what it seems and there are a lot of hidden costs. Um, you know, that, that challenge in, in software of, um, you know, translating the customer's brief into a, a working product, you know, often goes goes awry. That, mm-hmm. that didn't throw it takes much digital. longer than you would ever expect it right. to take. And, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. throw in, you know, 5,000 miles, a couple of different languages, um, a world where Zoom meetings weren't really a thing to so much. Right. Um, and... And you, you ended up with some pretty crazy outcomes. The next role that I that I had was um, commercial director of a actually another U.S. company called Good Good Data. We call them Good Data. You guys would call okay. them. Um, yes. And data and data are spelled the same. Just you know, I know we're on a, a podcast. Um, uh, one of us pronounces it correctly, and one does not. Right, exactly. You're <laughs> spot on there. Um, and so they're based in San Francisco. They're like a, a startup. They're a business intelligence platform. We worked across all sorts of industries, consuming data into our platform, and we had a, an ATL. You know, we worked with companies like, uh, you know, large travel companies that, you know, literally millions and millions and millions of rows of, of data every year being generated about flights and people and places and prices and all that stuff. So that was really interesting, kind of understanding how those businesses worked and. And, and trying to trying to be smart about helping them get more understanding about their business in a really easy to consume way. So it's kind of almost in a way like storytelling. Um, you've got this kind of rough shape. Maybe storytelling is not the best. Maybe, maybe it's pottery. I don't know. You've got this rough shape, and you kind of want to build it into something that looks really nice. And it's mm-hmm. you know it's maybe not easy to understand, but it's it's definitely um, a massive step away from being raw. And, and you take it to a shape where people can start to use it for other that things. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. I enjoyed that. And then and then um, started here at, at Porter Rental 
in May 2018. Okay, so how did you discover Point of Rental then? I think Wayne ran an ad on uh, on one of the job boards here, and hmm. you know I was kind of not necessarily ready to to move, but um, you know always I was kind of keeping an eye out on you know what's around, and then I saw that and I thought that sounds kind of interesting. You know, it's another U.S. company, and I've already got experience in that space. Um, and then Wayne and I got Wayne and I got talking and. It felt very much like a conversation right from the start. Wasn't, didn't feel like a job interview at all. <laughs> Interesting, I said to Wayne um, after we got chatting that, you know, good data. The, the relationship between the the branch office or the regional office here and head office in San Francisco was terrible, and you know we could, it, it would be tough to get people on the phone, um, get even getting people to call you back. Sometimes I asked Wayne to promise me that. If I started working at Point of Rental, that, that would be different, and it really is. Right. So, oh, good. Um, okay. Really, I, I think, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> given the challenges of time zone, and not just with the US, but the UK as well, um, mm-hmm. the time zone and, and all that stuff, uh, they're always there. And, um, you know, I think we do a, everybody does a really great job of being aware and, and, and conscious and deliberate to, to be thinking about others. I may be embellishing here, but, so forgive me, but, you know, we talked about our families and our lives and, and that kind of stuff. It wasn't just, where do you see yourself in five years? And tell me about the last time you failed. And, you know, it, it very much wasn't that kind of interview that I would normally run. Wow. Well, now I'm really afraid to ask my next question on the list, Uh-oh. which is literally, what's nope. your five-year plan? <laughs> I was going to say that was the perfect segue. Yeah, the medium-term plan for Dave Cameron is to keep growing the team here, um, keep growing the, the customer base and the business and, um, you know, become an even bigger contributor to the global pace. That's, that's really important. When you want a refreshing software experience with no calories, no sugar, and no preservatives, try Point of Rental Software. <sighs> it's good for your business and it always leaves a great taste in your mouth. Point of Rental. I need to check on time. Okay, it's 3.30. I need to speed this up. Um, I did want to ask, though, while we're on the topic of um, house remodeling, what is the carrot behind your head on the wall behind you? Oh, it's actually it's actually a seashell. Okay, let's move on to Dave's interesting character questions. So uh, um, This is where it very, gets dark. It does. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> pol- I've been polishing it up so far. <laughs> Why do you think that Christian said that we should talk to you? Well, you probably better if I if um if I were the politician, I'd tell you to ask Christian that. Um, You're not a politician. Yeah, I did. I did actually think about going to politics at one point. I forgot to mention that. At, really? I went, I went to be on a wow. Um, I, I haven't got it though. Um, anyways, so um, Christian, I think probably thought it'd be interesting to you know get somebody from kind of director the director level on the podcast hadn't happened before christian and i get along well um i know that i make him laugh all the time mm-hmm. and sure. probably thought, hey you know look, dave dave is a natural talent um got to get him up there and you know start sharing the love right you thought maybe your 15 minutes of fame could expand to something more really what's right. best for you yeah either that or he just wanted to sort of set me up for humiliation i mean either way 
I think he's still, it, it was out of love, you know? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, either way, he'll have succeeded. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I was checking out your LinkedIn, um, doing my basic research, and discovered you're a coach for a kids' Australian rules football team. What got you into that? Well, my daughter plays um, Australian rules football, so for all the non-Aussies listening to this, we have a code of football. It grew up in Melbourne, this, this sport. It, it got invented in the maybe the 1860s, 1870s, and it was kind of a hybrid of rugby and, I don't know, just rugby, just a hybrid of rugby. rugby. But, okay. um, it but was, it's not uh, rugby. It started out as... That's not how um, hybrids work, just so you know. Yeah, I know. I, I, you, could, you could see my, the gears slowly kind of grinding in my head as, as I was getting through that. So my daughter plays that uh, on the weekends, and I, you know, we, we have a couple of coaches. I'm, I'm the assistant coach. Um, don't, don't give me a promotion there. And, you know, that's really fun. We, we do uh, like a training session one night a week after school you know, in the evening, and then uh, the game's on Sunday. Unfortunately, the whole season got cancelled in 2020. We actually had one, like, lead-up match to the season, a practice match. Um, everyone's very excited, and then bang, the hammer fell, and yeah. the whole season died. Wow. I, I'm just wondering, so how does, your, how does your daughter get into this? Is this something that you played when you were a kid and you pass it on to her, or did she just say, I just want to go hit people? Yeah, a bit of both. It's... Um, it's actually a very, very popular sport here in Melbourne. The grand final, which is like the Super Bowl, is held in Melbourne every year. They get hundred thousand people come along, and so it's it. Every pretty much everyone growing up here thinks about it and plays it at some point. And there's now um, a a professional league, professional women's league of that sport, which is, they they show games on TV and and so forth. So that's that's a really great thing. So part of that started, I think, probably five years ago, that professional league. And that obviously got a huge amount of interest from kids like Emily, um, who started playing it. And then, you know, their dads loved taking them to watch games of the, the pros playing and so forth. So really not fit. Um, okay. Well, when we asked you earlier before the podcast, um, you said mm-hmm. that you enjoy cooking, running, and camping. Um, so yeah. let's break each of those down. Is there anything in particular that you like cooking? Well, sometimes they all happen together. Um, oh, that's running not and cooking at the same time, and but camping. around the same time. That'd be pretty. Oh, okay, not all simultaneously. Then, right, sleeping in a tent, cooking a meal, and right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, so I really like cooking. Um, I think it's really fun. I like. Um, I like experimenting, and you know, you you got to. If you're going to go into some kind of experimentation, particularly with cooking, you got to be prepared for some some unfortunate outcomes. Um, and I think that there's a connection to that with camping because not everything goes right when you go camping. Not everything goes right when you cook something. And I, I really like take my kids camping. Not so much now. They're, they're a bit older. They, they don't like hanging out with me so much. Mm. But when they were younger, they couldn't get enough of me. Um, and so we used to go camping out into the bush and in, invariably you, I'd forget something like the tent poles or um, the fire or you know, whatever, right? And yeah. I, I would always, my, my life lesson, here's my teacher again, my life lesson for the, the kids was that it's all about improvising, right? Life never goes perfectly. So whatever you left behind, 
at home you forgot to bring with you, you got to think of a way to, to work around that. Mm. And so you forgot the tent poles and, I don't know, you find some sticks or whatever. And the same thing happens when you're cooking. You get to the point of a recipe and you realise you don't have whatever, uh, vinegar, so you find a lemon and, and use that instead or whatever, right? Any, anything acidic will do. And that in that way, you kind of you succeed. And sometimes you have some happy accidents and um, serendipities, as they call them, and you end up with a better outcome than, than you planned. So cooking's fun, camping's fun, and I like running because um, that's kind of my time. That's my time alone. That's my most kind of solitude time. I usually run in the mornings before work, and um, just this is like know. just like a normal person's jog. This isn't like you're training for like a five k or a marathon or Ironman anything like that. It's not jogging. Let's just get that straight, right? Oh, not jog- jogging. Okay, running. It's running. Thank you. It's running. My, okay, sorry. My wife calls it jogging. You're going for a jog today, and I say no, and then I go for a run. So it's, it's definitely oh. not jogging because that I don't know. That's some kind of old person's thing. Okay. <laughs> um, I I'm not. I have run events, but I'm not training for anything right now. But kind of, I'm sort of the five to take five to ten k kilometer range. Okay. I actually broke my leg about six years ago, not running, doing something else, and that. Um, and I had to have a couple operations on that over a couple of years, and that pretty much stopped me from being a marathon mm. guy ever. Okay. I think, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You can't just say doing something else after you say that you broke your leg. What did you break your leg doing? Well, you know, it was, um, I could have been jumping from a plane. I could have been, you know, racing an avalanche down a mountain on some skis. I could have been doing a hundred other things than slipping on a rock at the beach. Ah. Hmm. I, it was like an old man fall. <laughs> was, um, <laughs> I actually, um, a great irony. I, I had, um, my kids were little, it's quite little at the time. I had my daughter, we were in bare feet, we're on the rocks at the beach. And I said, um, Hey, you know, I had her by the hand. I said, come this way. This is the safest way. And I stood on this slippery rock and went over and I landed on my own leg and it dislocated my ankle and broke my, both, both the bones in my lower leg. So that was sort of instant. You're not doing anything for the next eight months. And it was from that moment is when your wife start calling it jogging, that you were going jogging, <laughs> <Right>. not running. <laughs> right. Nice loop back. So, um, yeah, so running's my, uh, my little bit of sanity and kind of keeps me in shape. I think I, I do a lot of my good thinking when I'm, when I'm out running. I think about the day that's coming up and some of the problems I got to try and get across or, or unwind. I, I do have, have one more question on, on camping mm-hmm. for you. Um, oh. What is the coolest this place? This sounds like a camping? right and wrong answer. The coolest no, 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 place. No. Yeah, coolest place. The coolest place I've been camping. Um, I try and I like to go camping where there's water. So a lake or a river or a beach. Um, okay. And so there's a place um, about three hours north of Melbourne on the border, the border between Victoria and New South Wales, which is a northern state from here. Okay. Um, is a river. So it cuts kind of right between the two states called the Murray River. And a friend of a friend has a large property with like a mile and a half of river frontage on it. Mm. It's like a, a farm or a ranch. And so... So we call him up and say, hey, do you mind if we go camp on your farm? And he says, 
uh, wouldn't even know if you're there or not, so go for it. And there's like a, a sandy beach on the river. There's this light next to me. I keep hitting it when I... Um, there's like sandy beach there and it's beautiful bush and it's very peaceful, loads of stars and wake, pitch your tent right by the river and wake up in the morning, have a swim and it's pretty magical. So I went there in December actually for four days, which was super, hmm. just as summer was getting going. With your family or apart from your family just to kind of get away? Um, a bit of both. So I took my son, Will, who I mentioned before, he's 15, mm-hmm. one of his and two of his school buddies. So three 15-year-old boys and then me and one other dad. So um, we kind of, me and the dad hung out together and the boys, we took their bikes. So they just, just Did went their own thing. Yeah, I didn't really see them too much. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Sounds like a fun week, yeah. Whew. Sometimes you can smell when it's been a tough day at work, and so can your coworkers. That's why you should try Point of Rental software. It does a lot of the heavy lifting needed to keep a rental business running. And because it's software, it smells as fresh as it did before doing all the work. By saving money and work, you'll come out smelling like a rose, too. Um, Brian, did you want to ask this next question? I feel like you... Uh, would enjoy it. Wow, I'm, just, I'm frightened now. Sure, while we were talking in uh, pre-production, you were mentioning that you had a near-death experience uh, in New York City. So first of all, I want to know why you were in the United States at the time. Yeah. And then secondly, I need to know why you were working a door at a club in New York City. And then I need to know what happened that night. All right, the, the, it's going to be a long run-up. So... Um, when I, uh, was in my early twenties, I did a, a whole bunch of traveling, um, when I finished university. And so I did, a, I actually did a round the world trip on my own. Um, so I went to, I went to Europe, spent four months in Europe, kind of backpacking. And then, um, and I went to New York. I actually met a guy in Greece who was from New York. He's like a wall street guy, kind of got to know him a little bit. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be in New York in a few months. And he said, Hey, come stay with me. So I went, went, stayed with him. Um, you know, we got to know each other quite well. I came back to Australia and then about a year later, I went back to the States, worked on the West Coast in Venice Beach for a bit, just doing any kind of work I could. And me and a, a guy that I met, we bought a, a 72 Buick convertible, which had no roof that was gone. The convertible roof didn't exist. So it was full-time convertible. And we drove that to Vancouver. Um, which took a few weeks, as I recall. And then I got a job on a construction site in Vancouver over the summer there. And then, then I went to New York, caught up with this guy. And then I ended up, uh, he knew a girl that worked in a nightclub in Midtown in um, East 50th Street. And she got me a job there, I guess as a favor to him or something weird, because I, no, <laughs> I had no credentials whatsoever. Um, other than I think being an Aussie, that probably helped. And so I was kind of like a, I don't know what you'd even, I was kind of like a, a door guy, host, you know, welcoming people, telling them where to go, all that kind of stuff. And then um, whilst I was working there, a, down, a club from downtown um, in the Soho area, um, they kind of poached me and I started working this downtown club, which was, you know, up. The uptown club was kind of nice. I had to wear a tie to work and stuff. The downtown club was pretty kind of grungy and gritty. And it was there that um, 
I was working at the front door that night and a big bunch of kind of not particularly nice guys wanted to come to the club and, and we said, yeah, sorry, you can't come in and they didn't like that. So they went away, got in their car, got their guns that, you know, you, I guess that's what you do if you're upset. They drove by the club and they, they shot up the front of the club while we were standing there and like blew out the windows behind us and um, no one no one thankfully was injured but it was it was super scary like we all there were there are a lot of people around at the time you know you go past a club and there's all kind of there's people who have left who are hanging around there are people waiting to get in so there's probably maybe 50 or 100 people in you know within 100 meters of that and so we all kind of like lying on the pavement waiting for what's going to happen next and then nothing happened and we kind of got up and we you know, the cops came and we all went to the club and they closed the club and threw everyone out. It was, it was pretty full on. Well, you already covered the next question, which was like, I, I was just wondering <laughs> how you, how you move on from that. Like, you're just, do I have to let people in still for the evening? <laughs> well, yeah. it certainly made, made me think twice about saying no to somebody. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I was probably little well I was definitely young I was probably fairly stupid and and quite naive and I just really went back to work I think you know it was kind of <laughs> what, yeah. what are you gonna do right it's um, like hey it's still my job I mean yeah I didn't call my mom back in Australia and tell her I waited till I got back home like eight months later or whatever to that, tell her the story yeah that's definitely a uh you're coming home now right uh, conversation right. yeah yeah so that yeah that was it was a really fun time though I I was there for a bit over a year and lived in Manhattan and, you know, made, made a whole bunch of great friends and people I'm still in touch with. Um, so that yeah, was a really good time. Metal. So I guess the only other follow-up I had for, was this was, uh, is that still the only time you've been shot at? It's the only time I've been shot at. I did get a knife pulled on me as well one night at the same, the same place, actually at the Midtown place. A guy thought that I was the valet and that I was not getting his car from him for him like he'd asked me to and he pulled out a knife and just like held it up like he didn't threaten me with it but he just stood there with the knife and I'm like um let's just let's just get your car found um let's pop the knife away and we'll wow he's like here's the car is this your car (laughs) <laughs> yeah any car will do right <laughs> off you go so yeah some some um some funny stories in retrospect but kind of frightening at the time yeah let's move on to the lightning round of the five That's... important questions it will have to be lightning because i have a meeting with wayne in four minutes five important questions five important, five important questions. questions five important questions what would you say is your greatest success in life? My kids. Okay. So far. Still, they're still cooking. But. <laughs> okay. Um, number two, what is your greatest fear? Um, or something, something happening to my kids. If you could tell first day at Pointer Rental Dave one piece of advice that will lead to becoming a successful pointer, what would you say? Roll up your sleeves and get in and make it happen, and that will be reciprocated a hundred times back to you. What is your most embarrassing moment as a pointer? I, I actually don't think I have any embarrassing moments. I'm 
Oh, I do a lot of silly things, I guess, but I don't get embarrassed because it's all just it's all just part of me. Um, so I, I have to pass on that. Uh, I apologize to tell you, but because you have, I don't know how to do this in a speed round kind of question. Do you get this, Brian? You don't have any embarrassing moments, and that is now a capital offense. Yes. What's your last really? meal? Yeah, we have a tradition over here where if you're put to death, you get to choose your last meal or whatever. If you're put to death. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's something that can happen you know, more than one time. But anyway. <laughs> My last so, meal. Yes, last meal. What would it be? Um, well, just to tie back to cooking and camping, I think it would be a... Um, something I cook over the fire when camping, like um, a rotisserie, uh, like a shoulder of pork, r- slowly rotisserie over the coals, um, served up with some, you know, some great vegetables and a, a nice, nice glass of wine. And the good thing about that is I would be able to run away after I'd finished and then hence not get put to death. All right, sounds good. <laughs> is that it? Um, oh, no, 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 we still have, or quit. so question five is, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Um, my hairline. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. well, thank you so much, Dave, for chatting today. It has been a delight talking with you. Um, Likewise, it's been fun. Well, good. Uh, send Dave some love this week. Send him an old school email just saying, hey, or send him a gif of your favorite capybara. Um, and just be epic and let him know that you care. So thanks for listening today, and we'll keep the porch light burning for you. But they're one of my favorite animals, actually, the capybara. I think they're very cool. They are cool, yeah. Wow. Those and honey badgers, they're the best. Ooh, honey badgers. I just can't see anything. So y'all are kind of like the guinea pigs. We're not guinea pigs. I'm not good at challenges. I certainly hope that you um, reach retirement before death. Someone needs to tell my dad to get off ladders. Is that going to be in the podcast, that bit?